listeners, we're back again. I'm your host, Jimmy, taking the reins once again. Joining me, a change of scene from the last few weeks. People I've not seen in a while, making me very happy. First of all, Will, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. Nice to be back. I've had a little uh, little hiatus. It's nice to be back, joined in uh, with such stellar company. There we go. Sorely missed. Another man. I've not I've not seen his face through a computer screen in a long time. Face to face in person. It was only at the weekend when he tried to stop me eating his delights, but I found a way in. <laughs> Jack, how are you doing, buddy? I'm good, mate. And um, I would like to start the pod just by apologising to listeners for a blooper last week of um, of failing to tell the editor of a required edit and stupidly thinking that um, the edit would be done. Um, without my notification and that was in the Brazil one and I know that uh, Joe who edited that pod uh, didn't want to listen to every he just wanted to line a lot of the audio and really let it flow because he was so in, so excited about listening to it as a pod and sure as hell calamity occurred and uh, yeah there was a little bloop in there so sorry to those people but I kind of like it as well because it just shows that uh, yeah it's a bit of the DIY ethic of yoga Benito that I really love it doesn't all have to be like super polished and whatnot but good evening everyone of all the things people have been caught on microphone when whilst talking football <laughs> that was fine mate don't worry <laughs> cheers mate no Andy Gray or <laughs> Richard Key's incidents being caught before we get into the pod guys I just uh, a little little bit of admin for you and say we're, we're getting better at this we're learning what to do um, if you enjoy what we've done, if you enjoy what we do, and if you don't enjoy what we do and you just want people to sort of make up their own minds, um, tell a friend, tell a family, tell whoever, tell a stranger in the street to come and listen to us. Um, leave a review. All, all reviews are welcome. We are, say we are very raw. We're, we want to make you guys happy. We want to make you guys laugh. We want to make you guys love football as much as we do. So any, any guidance along the way, gratefully received at JBHQ. Right, on with the show. We will start off tonight with having a having a look at the title race. Is is the door back hope open for Jurgen Klopp's men? We're then gonna we're gonna touch on it's the Leeds Man U game, but more to have a look at uh, have a look at poor old Leeds United and the sorry state they find themselves in compared to how excited we are we were by them last season. Have a little break and then we're gonna come back. And uh, for those of you that don't know, the Masters, the Football Masters is returning. 45 plus or whatever age they are, retired footballers trying to run round, show that they've still got it at half pace, quarter pace, whatever pace. Um, we've, picked a, we've picked a side each. Some people might have two, Will. And we're just going to run through who we see as, uh, as, the, as the six aside lineup for those teams. Um, there's a few rules which I shall touch upon when we come to that section. Right, on with the title race. Um, Liverpool, six points behind Man City, game in hand. Jack, is the race back open? Absolutely. Absolutely. What's that, five? five win- How many wins in a row is it for Liverpool now? I know they won the last five. Um, yeah, game, game in hand. Uh, I think what's exciting about Liverpool is the the return to form or the return of, of Thiago. I think him as a linchpin in, in the centre is what's really making Liverpool tick. Signing Diaz as well 
it's given more impetus to the attack. There's a fluency to them. Uh, we've talked at length about Liverpool, how to beat Liverpool and the kind of the thunderball they play where they press and they compress, I think was the word that Joe used so much, that low blocks can absorb it all. But I think with Thiago and the new injection up front, there's now a lot more options um, which to unpick defences. So, yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's really exciting. If you'd asked me that two or three weeks ago, I'd have said probably not. Well, what's your, uh, where do you sit on this? I agree. I think it's definitely on. The fact that they've got to play each other, the fact that Liverpool have got a game in hand, you know, it is now. The goal difference is so close, it's not going to be, not looking like it's going to be a clear factor this season. Um, I think it's, uh, yes, yeah, in Liverpool's hands now and Jurgen Klopp is... Uh, I think he'll be very happy with that given what everyone was saying just a couple of weeks ago and how everything looked. Um, I agree with Jack's points. They they just look awesome at the minute. And one thing that I kind of feel like has been the evolution of Klopp and the evolution of Liverpool is, do you remember when he started and it took, he used to sign players and people like Robertson, it took them a really long time to bed in. Diaz has absolutely like fitted in like a hand in a glove and um, Shimakas. Uh, Canate, like players are, are looking really comfortable straight away in the Liverpool system. And you've got people like Elliot coming back. Um, you've obviously got uh, Joe Gomez coming back as well. So I think Liverpool all of a sudden have like, uh, not that, not the strength and riches that City have, but they do have a pretty, pretty um, deep roster that at their beck and call. Touching on the fixtures they've got left, obviously the 9th of April is City hosting Liverpool. Um, looking at, I think other than City, who have got United at home, their running seems to be considerably easier, and I'm judging this on who we would probably class as sort of big six sides, whether or, whether or not they're in the top six at the moment. Like Liverpool have got Arsenal, United... They've got the Merseyside derby. Everton, although I watched them on Saturday, are not the Everton you want them to be. And they've got Spurs, who obviously dealt City a huge blow at the weekend. How much, I suppose, a lot of the players coming back that you've both touched on, that will just help Liverpool, really. I mean, the, the running's not, not friendly to them. But having all these players, and I know we're touching it all the time, and it's something I come about on, is the lack of a the lack of a goal scorer going to affect City, Jack? Uh, I don't know. I don't know whether that's a. I can understand why that question's being asked, but that's not how Pep has prepared his side this season. He's gone with a multi-dimensional attack, where players are fitting into all. There's there's Sterling playing as a nine. Um, Foden's played at nine at points. They've, so that's the the mo of of City has been well. Let's just put the nine to one side for the minute, and 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 play a load of tens or whatever you want to call them at the front. So I don't think it's the nine that's going to undo them really. Um, I just think it's whether they. This is now into the part of the season where it's really about experience and preparation, one game at a time, not getting too emotionally involved. Uh, the sides that they're playing, they've got a, an informed Burnley coming up. Well, no, I guess that's a bit later, actually. They've got the um, United derby, the Manchester derby. They've got uh, Palace away. Not not an easy fixture. Um, a 
of Burnley that will be fighting for them, their lives. Uh, Liverpool in second, a very difficult Wolves side um, in the 16th of April. Um, so there's there's some there's some banana skins there for City as well. My big question, really, I don't think it's necessarily a question of personnel. Manchester City have the team, the squad, and the technical tactical technical and stamina preparation to beat anyone. It's whether Pep does that weird thing that he does sometimes. We saw it in the Champions League the last two seasons where the overthinking comes into play. The kind of it's like counter counter punching where he, he, he sort of over-prepares rather than City just going out and doing their thing. And whether that is going to come into play at all, I know that's a really abstract point to make, but that's the only thing that I stand back and kind of stroke the beard and think, hmm, will that happen? Yeah, he's... Fair point. He does strike. The striker's a bloke that does that. Sorry, Will, go on. No, no, not at all, mate. He's, he's got previous, hasn't he, with, with it, Pep? And I think he, when the going gets tough a little bit, you can't help but think, yeah, is he going to do a pep basically um and i think when they are yeah when they are like comfortably ahead um or they're kind of just in their groove and doing their thing and they just play like manchester city they are untouchable but all of a sudden you see that little chink in the armor and you see like you know conte is a a master uh, i think he his chelsea were the first team to beat peps man city at home um, they were saying on on Sunday and on Saturday rather, and having seen that, um, like you said, Palace would be a tough one. Palace with a they beat them earlier this season, didn't they? Um, I think now that there's it's got close, I think all of a sudden teams will start thinking, yeah, maybe they are beatable again. So there's there's that to contend with as well. So whether we do see things unravel because it starts getting closer again. That's going to be really interesting to see. Whereas Liverpool seem to be the kind of, probably the team that would most not want to be faced by other sides at the minute. I'd rather be coming up against City than Liverpool in current form. Fair enough. All right, put them on the block, boys. Who is winning the title? Jack? Don't overthink it. Don't do a pep on me. I'm going to say City. I'll tell you why. I can give my rationale. I can show my workings. Liverpool have drawn six games this season uh, and when they, when the title race kind of got out of their grasp last time, it was draws that undid them. So I think draws might be their undoing here. Well, I head says City, not heart, but uh, just the fact that they're so fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> I kind of, I would prefer Liverpool because they would make it more fun on route, I would say. This team... Uh, you know, whether I'm a United fan or not is up for debate these days, but um, in my own head and no one else's because no one else cares. Um, but I feel like I shouldn't say Liverpool, but I, I just love watching this team and they deserved, I really hope that this team and like the way they're constructed with this manager and everything Klopp means can be, they're so great. They deserve to be like a couple of time champions. So they're spoken about as one of the best sides ever because they, they definitely are in my opinion. I think the fact that they're fighting on so many fronts this year, though, like usually they don't take the FA Cup as seriously and they're, um, you know, they're going, I I see them going a long way in every competition. Maybe that could be their downfall. Maybe if a few injuries do pick up, I know I said they're deep. Maybe if they get a few injuries to key players again, all of a sudden that looks like not to be the case. 
What about you, Jimmy? What are you saying? City. Look at that. City you didn't overthink there. it, did you? No. No. Based on? Well, they're winning at the moment. They're ahead. Where'd you <laughs> rather be? And I think I think their running's easy. I, know, I hear what you're saying about the... Um, like there's banana skins there. I, I do think... Um, I did enjoy Jack's sort of oxymoron of saying an informed Burnley. I never thought anyone would ever say that. Um, but City, if they've got Liverpool at home um, and their toughest game probably, well, again, on paper, is United, that's at home as well. I'm, I'm just going City. Don't ever think it. They brushed United aside earlier this season as well, didn't they? Yeah. Got Wonderful. Right. Talks to United, but more, more so the... Uh, the white boys from Yorkshire. Um, Leeds appear to be imploding in front of us, and it's something we've touched on the pod. Is is Bielsa the man that we thought he was? We all we all got on board last year and very much enjoyed the season. I know I did when they lost three 0 to Crawley in the FA Cup. There we go, <coughs> Crawley Claxon. Um, <laughs> obviously, this year, very very different fortunes. Um, they look like they dug themselves out of a. Meyer on the Saturday, Sunday, sorry, when they when they came back to Tool, only to go and throw it away again. Jack, I know you've watched this game. Talk to me about Leeds. What's what are you noticing anything different from this season to last season in terms of how they're playing? I appreciate there's injuries and personnel on there, but the way they're playing. Um well the the ecosystem is all interlinked. So they set up four one four one as per against United. And immediately, you know, they had Koch in the centre as the one, as the DMC. No no, Cal- uh, Calvin Phillips. Uh, Rafinha was benched. Rodrigo up front, no Bamford. But what I found really bizarre about watching um, Leeds, and Jimmy brought it up in the chat uh, when the game was, was going on, was how disconnected the centre-backs and the full-backs get from each other. And so you had, rather than 4-1-4-1, there were times, particularly in, trans, in um, so from a Leeds perspective, a defensive transition where it looked like 2-2-1-4-1 because the, the centre-backs and the full-backs were so far away from each other. And there's some interesting aspects in terms of the, the positivity they play. I've really enjoyed the season watching Rudiger for Chelsea. Um, I'd, I'd go as far as to say he's my dark horse sort of favourite player this season as in you know there's been many great players to watch Salah is the first one that comes to mind but Rudiger's really been a fascinating player to watch um, Ailing has been playing in a similar manner of this like marauding really shoving the defence forward and bringing defence into midfield so that was really you know that was really evident in the in the game but what I noticed was how there was the 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 um the fullbacks getting separated from the center backs and then there were points where the the center backs and the fullbacks were in all the wrong positions for defending um those transitions and it it really was what led to um, them conceding four goals and i don't know enough about the technical aspects of coaching to really understand why that's happening but it was ha- it happened over and over again in that match particularly I've wrote on my notes earlier uh, where was it it was um it wasn't for Maguire's goal it was for the second goal and uh, the the left back was over where um Ailing should be 
and it was just sort of it, it the defence was a complete shambles. So I don't know. It, it is interesting when you have a when you have a manager like Bielsa who's so stylized, watching them not want to change their system. And, and there is this thing about trust the process and this is how we play. But when it's not working, you're conceding this many goals. Surely something has to change. Well... What did did you watch? You must have. Did you watch the game behind a cushion, <laughs> beloved yeah. Man U? Yeah, I did. I did watch the game. I always love watching, uh, love watching Leeds. Um, but it was a very, very interesting game. I, I was saying before we started recording, um, from a from a Manchester United perspective, it felt more like an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer type of game. Um, but Leeds were really interesting, and I to sort of extend on what Jack was saying there, I think one of the reasons I really love watching them is because then they are so free flowing and when they're on the ball, it doesn't really feel like a formation. It feels like roles and players like Stuart Dallas is the prime example of this. He is there to fulfill a role within that team, but they are really lacking the structure that you need off the ball this season. And I think they, did at the beginning of last season and that's why they had the like crazy four threes of Liverpool but then it seemed like they sorted it out as the season went on and as it sort of got to a crucial stage um they they were able to sort of get the get the clean sheets and only conceding one or two goals uh, one or two uh, um fewer goals when needed um and I, I had a look um in sort of comparatively um, where they were last season. And after 23 games last season, um, they had won 11 at this stage, drawn two and lost 10. This season, they've lost the same amount of games, but they've drawn eight and won just five. So interestingly, it seems to be like the draws that are killing them. And I wonder if like, the kind of structure that Calvin Phillips is like, I feel like they've really missed that. And whether those kind of just one extra goal being conceded every now and then, that's what's really, really killing them when a, and it turns a, a win into a draw. Yeah, I'd like to really um, draw out that point on the draw as well, because I also was having a look at the table and I believe, let me just bring it back up here. Yeah, they've conceded 50 goals. So... What that's saying, I mean, that is the most... Oh, no, 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 no only Norwich had, had conceded more. What that's saying for me is that there's a huge amount of high-scoring score draws. So Leeds are getting into position by there. They're going in, uh, going in front or having to claw it back. So these draws aren't kind of nil-nil gritty. Um, well, we know this about Leeds. They score and they concede. Um, they really do. Uh, there's there's part of me that worries about their recruitment a little bit, not in terms of the quality, because I was having a look through their transfers the last couple of seasons and they've spent their money well. It's just, they don't have a lot of it. They, they, you know, they bought Rafinha for like, I think Rafinha was around 15 million. Um, Jack Harrison was like 12 million. Um, They paid what I would say over the odds for Dan James personally. Um, But other than the Dan James you know, I'd say inflated transfer fee, let's say. In the main, they they spend little and they spend it on quality, but they don't come in and get really 
um, that maybe Rafinha, they're not populating their squad with world-class players. And I'm just wondering whether the steam is starting to run out in this side and they're just, they're just knackered from Bielsa ball. They haven't got a big, deep enough squad and other, other teams do have the means to, um, to, I mean, look at the reinforcements that Everton bought in at, uh, in January absolutely remarkable you know they're in a similar position in the league so I think Leeds do have an issue with their resources however um, I'm sure they are as a club very very wary of wading in deep into the transfer market given that they are probably the most notorious notoriously bad spenders in the history of the Premier League there's a fish tank rolling over in its grave right now um, I uh was watching uh, I'm I'm hesitating because I know I'm going to pronounce his name wrong but is it Joe Gelhart? Gelhart, Gelhart. Yeah. Gelhart, yeah. Yeah, he looks really really good. Mm. And I wonder how many Leeds have played them and Norwich have the highest amount of under 23 players played so far this season. I wonder if they're sort of looking at the youth system a little bit and looking to bring a few players through, but they do, they just seem to have such a thin squad to kind of like riff on what you were saying there, Jack. And that is always, always a worry with teams that have come up and then have a thin squad. Like you, the Premier League, like you say, it's full of the teams that can just go out and buy their way to safety or buy their way to whatever to finish above those small squads in the end. And, you know, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So that, that always makes it really tough. Do you guys think they're going to stay up, Leeds, or do you think they're going down? I think they'll stay up purely because there are three teams worse than them. Mm. That's, and you know, that's no mark of a team having quality. Um, and I think they are struggling. I think I'm sort of touch on the fact that Patrick Bamford's only played six games, I think, mm. this year. Um and his XG is actually still higher than Rodrigo's for the season. Yeah, speaking about spending money, mm, not very well. Yeah. Rodrigo, unfortunately, was out. <coughs> I always loved him. I yeah. wanted him to work out for them, but just hasn't. Um, no, and I, I think three three clean sheets as well. I think I looked at earlier, and only I think one of them was a nil nil draw. So it it felt like last year Leeds were a team that was like, well, you might score three, we'll score four. Mm. This year, it's a very different story. You score three, we'll score three. Um, or even you score four. Yeah. I uh, I looked at their points per game and that on average, I think it's like 0.96, which for the rest of the season, I think would put them on about 36 points. But it's quite a down year. So that would probably have them around 14th, 15th. Like you say, there's just worse teams than them this year, so they might be all right because of that. But certainly some interesting decisions, whether they need to strengthen in the summer and whether I think it feels like since that Everton game, that was a bit of a turning point for Leeds fans. And I wonder whether Bielsa will be, you know, he's famous for his short contracts. I wonder whether he'll be there next season regardless of whether they're still in the Premier League. I'll just, I'll just touch on Everton because I did see them play Southampton on Saturday. Oh, yes, please. And Everton have got problems. I was, I was saying to Will before we went on, Jack, that Frank Lampard as a manager, and this would probably be why I say great footballers um, will never be very good managers, is 
he he kicked every ball with the player, but where he was kicking it was exactly what he had done when he was playing, and he was watching other people kick balls and just making the wrong decisions. And I did feel for for Frank Lampard's Everton because they are they they don't look great. Clueless sort of going forward. Well, it's interesting you say that because I've been thinking about different sides and why they're doing well or why they're not doing well. And I I thought about Wolves. I nearly text you guys to say, hey, can we maybe give five minutes on Wolves today? What I thought Wolves have done well as a club is create that elusive, but often talked about, and I'm listeners, I'm putting my inverted commas up, DNA. Yeah, they're doing the DNA thing. Um, or continuity, which is a better term, really. So... Um, Nuno was in and it was 3-5-2 it was it was counter-attacking it was very defensive Leisure's playing in a similar system he's playing a 3-5-2 formation there are similar players in similar positions despite the ins and outs there's a continuity there to the club in terms of how it's heading in the direction Um, Leeds have to do that if Bielsa goes they have to find a manager that he, that can understand this group of players and how the football's being played and where the gaps are, plug those gaps, but continue with a group of players that have been taught to play a very, very specific type of pressing, automated um, um, attacking football. If they don't, then what they run the risk of, and hopefully this ties this all up neatly, Jimmy, is they end up like Everton. And, and and United to a degree, but Everton, which is this massive mix of styles and players and uh, managers, and they all start the same way. They all get off to a flyer. Ancelotti's Everton got off to an absolute flyer. Um, Benitez's Everton got off to an a- absolute flyer. Lampard got off to a flyer the other week. And then quickly, the dust settles and the the squad and the team reveals itself for, for what it is, which is a jumble. And I don't know where Lampard goes from here in terms of what he's going to do with this team. He's bought Deli Ali and Ali's been on the bench. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. But Leeds, if we can link, you know, your point about Everton back to Leeds, if Bielsa does go, the board have really got to be smart with their recruitment to model more like Wolves than to model like Everton. So... Will Ole Gunnar Solskjaer keep them up next season or not? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Can you oh, who imagine? Who knows? I, I, do you know what? With um, I know we're kind of just shooting from the hip here, but when I look at Lampard and Gerrard, I sort of see the latest generation of manager, um, particularly Gerrard to a degree, but but both Frank Lampard and Gerrard, I think, wow, they could... They could have good careers if they'd have gone and cut their teeth in overseas leagues and in different roles where they can get schooled and cut their teeth. But their trajectory, particularly Frank Lampard's, is only down from here, I think. He started at a Champions League challenge, um, title challenging club in, in Chelsea. Well, uh, the Derby job. The Derby job, uh, which was anomalous, then straight to the top with Chelsea. Now down to a mid-table but big club in terms of their fan base, Everton. He'll go next to, I would imagine, a Watford sort of club and then 
where after that you become that sort of Steve Bruce hovering guy that just hovers around that lower mid table thing. It's a. Uh, it's bleak. It's very bleak. <laughs> it's it's just bleak, bleak, isn't it? I'm actually sat here thinking, where would he go next? Where the carousel is real, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's going to just... be replaced with that brand. I think Gerard's interesting though because he does have that. I, I really respected mm. the uh, Rangers. Mm. Um, tenure and I think what he did there was that no one could say that wasn't impressive so um yeah I, and, and I feel like m- most most fans would rather have obviously not Everton but most fans would rather have Gerard in charge of their club than Lampard definitely got a better perception because of that so yeah I, I agree and I wish you know how cool would have it have been for Lampard to like be in the Bundesliga or yeah similar it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think in England, what we have is we have a culture of the lunatics having taken over the asylum. So when we when we used to go travelling, it's a little story, right? <laughs> when when we used to go, when Ems and I travelled, we travelled around South America, and we were primary school teachers at the time. And my wife, well, she was my girlfriend at the time. Uh, she really, she's, she's laughing at me in the other room. Uh, my, uh, she would never tell people that we met that she was a teacher. She used to say she was a dancer. Right, she said she was a dancer. She'd never say she was a teacher because she said everyone had an opinion on teaching because everyone went to school. Yeah, mm. okay. And I thought that's really interesting. So Em's never said she was a teacher. And when I sort of have that feeling when I look at the the state of football, I turned on when I watched Match of the Day two. There's Jonathan Woodgate and Dion Dublin. It's all player based. It's all player based all the punditry all the opinion and the managerial engine room particularly of english football is player based now in actual fact um you would not despite all teachers having been pupils once in their life at, at one time in their life ultimately you would not ask the lay person on the street who has been a pupil and been a pupil for many, many years to design a teaching sequence or a curriculum for a school or take a school from requires improvement to outstanding. So there's a weird culture in the mo- and We talk about player power. I don't think we realise how insidious player power really is in our country and that it ultimately runs everything. And it's, it, it's now become a sort of toxic situation where there's there's bright guys coming through that are are not really going to make it because they're going to be thrust too hard, too high, too soon. And the only way is down the helter-skelter from there. I, I love that, Jack. I, just before you came on, funny enough, we were talking about footballers becoming managers and I actually sort of used a teaching example. I did mm. not deliver it with dancers in South America and more, <laughs> more spoke about maths and numbers and myself. So I'm glad we recorded you doing that. It was kebabs in Southampton, mind. I think you delivered it with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Three hours I... at a blackjack table, earned myself a tenner, bought my dinner. Basic economics, survival 101. <laughs> I tell you, so, um, can, I, can I tease out some other things from that game? Because it was, it was yes. a fascinating game. There's a couple of things. Uh, I'm going to start with the positive, um, which is Ellen Road was just bouncing mm. as a stadium. The atmosphere was amazing. Um, but... This business about throwing projectiles onto the pitch and hitting players, it was Alanga, I think, that got yeah. hit when United scored their third, I'm going to say. It wasn't when he scored, was it? I think it was when he was celebrating. Yeah, I think you're right. He ran over to yeah. celebrate the third, yeah. 
there's there's not enough protection going on um, in stadiums and I don't really understand why that is because these are not small, th- these are highly regulated, highly observed and super visible environments where safeguarding is really important. They have stewards, they have police presence and yet this this problem doesn't seem to be going away. And, you know, I don't know. I, I sort of feel with a lot of this stuff, and there's another point maybe we can come on to in a minute. At what point are clubs going to be sued for this sort of thing? It's like, do you know what? If you can't guarantee the safety, let's say um, I'm Manchester United and um, Anthony Alanga is an employee of my business. Sometimes I just try and think of business things because it just removes the romanticism and emotion of football. I'm Manchester United PLC. My employee is Anthony Alanga. He was struck by an object caused by um, a patron at your property. You are responsible for that. So I want punitive measures against you for that. I don't know why that's not happening. Mm. Especially when you look at everything that's happened in France or Ligue 1 this season. Like it's, it's not a couple of incidents. It's something that is um, almost every week you hear a story somewhere across Europe and yeah, super, super worrying. You've, you've hit it perfectly there, Jack. You just, just take football away from it. Just humanize it on that basis. Someone just walks into your establishment and does that to one of your employees. You do something about it instantly. You don't even think about it. And you know, it, it's not being done. Well, you, you know, it's like the old, um, the, the myth of freedom of speech and the, the, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that you know freedom of speech, freedom of speech. Well, yeah, you can you can say words that come out of your mouth, um, and there might be hateful words and whatnot. But just as you have the right for those words to come out of your mouth, I have the right for my ears not to hear them and my brain to, you know, interpret them. And the law recognises that right and says actually uh, we have measures against that. Um, and I always think that. If someone was to come to my place of work, I own my own business, and if someone was to come onto my property and and do those things, I would immediately ban them immediately and call the police. There's there's no way I would allow anyone's personal safety to be at risk on on the threshold. So that's a really bizarre situation. And the other one, which you know, I know um, listeners, Jimmy Townsend's not with us today. Um, last minute um, late injury um, causing him not not being able to be here but the injury to Koch was a was a major concern and at what point now are are we going to start taking seriously head injuries on the football pitch I think there's there's an education also of the players who probably so often have been hit in the head and like, I'm fine, I'll carry on. Mm. But actually, and it's an ignorance almost of not realising what the danger is or it won't happen to me. Um, and it's almost, it's quite worrying that the, probably the player themselves won't take it as seriously as a physio might. And they will almost, no, oh, I'm the player, I'm carrying on. So it's, I, I don't know what education there is brought into these clubs by whether the Premier League or the FA, but it's, yeah, it's it's a serious it's a serious matter, and you sort of certainly hear old sportsmen, not just footballers, but all all, all sportsmen sort of. Steve Thompson. Yes, exactly. Thank you. He's done a name I couldn't think of, but they're all 
if, if it is all interlinked, it's there's an education there, and these guys need to be aware of of the risk. And it's you know, you drop your ego. You might have half an hour left in the game. You've got a lot longer on this planet with with friends and family that that will be worth so much more if you do the right things now. Get really- yeah, I totally agree. Sorry, well, go for it. Thank you, mate. Uh, I, I get really frustrated with the the lip service that seems to be done, where it's, it's talked about and you have like protocols that are tweaked and changed and supposedly improved and then still ignored. And that really frustrates me because instead of actually listening to people like you guys have talked about, we still see the iconic images of Terry Butcher with a bandage and, around yeah, his head. Good and yeah, it's just like... No, like you say, we need to stop lauding that sort of behaviour. Yeah, brilliant. If you, you know, there is that kind of sports mentality of you want to win at all costs, but safety and health, Christ, if we haven't learned over the last couple of years that health is everything and we need to do everything that we can to protect one another, then God help us all. But if, um, if the message is changed and the power is given ultimately to the doctors... And I mean, I don't know, football's a funny game. There'll probably be too much pressure put on club staff then. But it, that's, for me, the way that a doctor comes on, assesses it, no, calls it there. And the, the, they can't have the decision anywhere near the player who has <laughs> possibly concussed or confirmed as concussed. But they're not right to play, therefore they're not right to make a decision. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with those points. And yeah, I was thinking when I was making notes for the pod that we've got a cultural problem and we've got a medical problem or professional capacity problem. The cultural, if you go back and listen to Match of the Day and listen to the language that the commentator's using, it is appalling. It's appalling. Listen, I urge you to go back and listen to the commentary of when Cock is injured. They talk about things like taping his head together um, at one point laughing, you know, because it's, um, it's a misfortune, you know, and all look at the state, uh, talking about afters, um, it, I wrote in quotes here, it wouldn't be a Leeds, uh, Leeds United, Manchester United game without something looking like this. So there's an expectation and a banterism that's going on, um, here. And I, I found that, I, I found that absolutely abhorrent. It should be stopped. It should be. This is appalling. They've they've done it with taking the knee. You know, with this. You, you know, they they say it at the beginning with taking the knee. There's no place for racism. Society. It's a very short, succinct, succinct thing to say. They don't blather on. They just say this is this is not acceptable and move on. It's the same here. And will I totally agree with you, what you're saying about the medical stuff? Because I went to look um, at the FA about the head injury management, and I don't think. And I might be completely wrong, but I don't think that protocol was followed in that game because it said if the medical staff will assess the injured player and if there's been a confirmed or suspected period of loss of consciousness, the player must be removed from the play, a field of play and not be allowed to return. Where there is a head injury but no loss of con- consciousness, which is what happened here, an on-field or touchline assessment will take place using something called a pocket CRT, which is a um, pocket concussion recognition tool. I didn't see that being used. 
it should be a standard part of any pitch side medical kit. And the decision whether the player is removed from the field should be made by the attending doctor. If there's any suspicion of the player having sustained a con concussion, the player must be removed from the field of play and not allowed to be returned. Well, he was clattered out. He had a, he had a, a blood injury to his head. There didn't seem to be that rigorous assessment of, is this player concussed? It was very fast with the taping. And if you look at the second, when when Koch goes down the second time, he does this sort of hand thing with his hand where he makes this sort of like pulsing movement with his fingers if to say, I can't see properly. He was concussed or he looked like he was concussed. And in the end, he told him he was concussed. So where was the correct assessment going on? I've seen it. I can't think of the exact games as well, but I've I've seen exactly the same thing happened. And you have players that are sort of it, they play on for a couple of minutes, and the doctor seems to either not be listened to or kind of go and like I don't really agree with this, but it's going to happen. And then they play on for a couple of minutes, and then it's kind of nope. He, he you know commentators again applaud them for trying, but oh they're going to have to come off that why have you given them an extra couple of minutes if they have to head the ball in that instance? I remember that moment in the um, African Cup of Nations where Eric Bailly was playing not long after concussion and he headed the ball and it came right down on the top of his head. And it was like, he fell to the floor and it was like, why Why are players' livelihoods and um, uh, why is their health being risked in such a way? It's, nothing is worth that. No, absolutely not. I mean, I used to think that was, I remember seeing... Um, Jermaine Taylor getting knocked out by Arthur Abraham in the Super Six. And I just remember thinking he should never, ever be allowed to go into the boxing ring again after that head injury. You know, it was so profound. And when you see that, how cock clattered, it wasn't pleasant at all. And it wasn't even the worst that we've seen in the Premier League, but it was mm. just, it was really horrible. On that, if I can just move away from the head injury for the, for the minute, um, I thought Portioni just had an awful game all round. I thought he was absolutely shocking. I don't think Scott McTominay should have been, I think he could have been sent about three or four times in that game. Um, I thought he'd sort of lost control of the situation and I don't think he supported Koch or advocated on behalf of the players to the medical staff, which may be refs. I don't know whether that's part of their MO, but it just felt like he was absent. Again, what's their education on it and what, what I say, what is their MO? What do they need to do? Mm. Guys, I think that's that's some great stuff there. Um, really oh, just one last thing. Go on. Can I just say, um, Ralph Raniak sounds like Werner Herzog when he speaks. <laughs> <laughs> he, does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. He does, doesn't he? So good. So good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry to do another Columbo, but I've got go on. one more thing. <laughs> yeah, go on. Um, I, shout out to Grace Robertson for flagging this up, but... Do you know Harry Maguire is not called Harry Maguire? I I think I might have heard this before. His middle name is Harry. He's called Jacob Harry Maguire. Oh, maybe not. How does maybe that I'm happen? Of Tommy Robinson. <laughs> right. I'm I'm going to beat you. Do you know Kevin Keegan isn't called Kevin Keegan? He's he called, called Joseph Kevin Keegan. There you go. God. At least he's got like alliterative reasons to do that. Like, what's Harry Maguire's reasoning? I like all the um, Brazilian players that have those and Portuguese players that have just loads of beautiful names and they just like go along and but I'm having that one. That's Fred. Buzzing. Fred. Yeah. <laughs> Hulk. Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Hulk wins every time. Right. No more things. Colombo's put away. 
we're going to have a break, listeners, and we're going to come back. We're going to have some fun. Will threw me off my scent then because he started waving his finger at me. He can wait. You can wait till after the break. Back in a minute. Welcome back, listeners. Me, Jimmy, your host, joined by Will and Jack still. So sadly, Jimmy T couldn't join us because of a last-minute injury. It was going to be two Jimmys for the price of one. Sadly, you lumbered with me. Never mind. We're here to talk Masters football now in this second half. Well, our own twist on Masters football. Um, we, we used to love watch it and Sky Sports used to rerun it endlessly. And we all still sat and watched it. Um, Will and Jack have two teams each. I've just got the one. Because I couldn't find enough Crawley Town players who were retired that I could... Uh, I could work with. Anyway, we set ourselves a little challenge of picking a Premier League side. And what the rules will remind me, they have to be retired. They have to be fundamentally associated with that club. Yeah. And was that it? Yeah, that was it. That was it. Nice and simple. I did ask if they had to be Premier League players. They didn't be as long as they were sort of associated with that club. Right, well, your idea, you can lead us on. Give us team number one. Okay, so uh, in spirit of the pod, really, I did a Leeds United team. Um, I just thought they've had some lovely, fun players over the years. And I basically thought that be they've got one player who would be the last player that I reveal in this team who would just be the perfect Masters player. Um, so... In goal, I've got Nigel Martin because mm, yeah, had to be because he's it, better really. than John Lukic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and Melier is just a bit too young. Um, I had hopefully we'll get his debut out of the way quickly enough, and then it'll all be uphill from there. Um, Jonathan Woodgate. <laughs> I had uh, one of the most underrated players I think ever, uh, Olivier Decor. I think would be a lovely bit of steel in class. Would, yeah. Yes. Um, and that kind of, I feel like for 60 sides, you kind of want like a defender and then a defensive midfielder. So then you can have loads of attackers. You don't really want to like bog it down too much with loads of defenders. Um, right. This is this one. I don't know if you're going to allow me because I don't know if he's associated enough with Leeds, but I really want him in my team. Uh, if you Robbie, say Cantona. I'm no, out. no. Robbie Keane. Yeah, you can have Robbie yeah, Keane. Yeah. Phew. That means I don't have to have Harry Kuehl. So I've got Robbie Keane. Then I've got, um, sorry, Jimmy. Then I've got uh, Tony Yeboah up front. Shooting and, from anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And Mr. Shoot from anywhere, break the net, Mark Viduka. I feel like Mark Viduka, you could stick him in goal when he'd be the best Masters player ever because that, that cannon, oh my Lord. Like, used to just love watching Mark Viduka play. Still their all-time Leeds is all-time top Premier League scorer with 59, I think. Just a- The Australian Batistuta. Once, it, once it's <laughs> hit, it stays hit. Absolutely, yeah. Widescreen jaw, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Widescreen everything, I think, wouldn't it? Yeah. I feel like he, for that reason as well, like he, I was saying to Jim before we came on air, you don't really want someone that was like really pacey and then you're watching a suddenly very different version of them in Masters football. So having uh, Mark Viduka, you kind of probably still looks fairly similar, but you're never going to lose that cannon. That'd be lovely for Masters. So yeah, that's my team. Mm, nice. Jack, Very anyone, nice. You wanna, anyone you want to just dangle, dangle the character Will and go, do you want this player? Uh, 
Would you not want Lee Bowyer on your side, Will? Yeah, I <laughs> nearly, nearly did have Lee Bowyer. I remember watching um, when ITV had the highlights package. So I think it meant like the premiership and I think which Carl Ang has got an amazing piece on on the Athletic, by the way. But um, so I think it must have been like 0102, 23 maybe. Um, Leeds started that season and looked like they were probably going to win the league. Like they were absolutely amazing. Mm. And Lee Bowyer was the preeminent like, English midfielder at the time. He was so good. And then they, they tailed off. Um, so yeah, I nearly, nearly put him in. Yeah. Alan I don't Smith think, was the other one. I don't think him and Woodgate ever recovered from what happened. Mm. I think it took so much out of them. Yeah. You're um, right. yeah. And I, I don't think they ever recovered. So there you go. Yeah. Lovely side. Lovely side lovely. though. Will. Nice. Jack. Team number one for you. So I went with a, I went with a philosophy. I have got a real philosophy to both sides and that I just want ballers. I want guys that can dribble, that are highly skilled and that can just really go through the gears. So a little bit different to Will's um, net rippers and mine's kind of a more, um, yeah, it, it's got Samba swagger, although there are no Brazilians in either side. So I went with Newcastle United, um, uh, yeah, Newcastle United. So I've gone for Shaq in goal because he was nice. just great, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. So Shaq is lopping goal. The Newcastle defenders thing is so good because they were all rubbish and they spent so much money on, on defenders, didn't they? I looked through, there was like John Allen Boomsong, Titus Bramble. I sort of toyed with Woodgate. He wasn't around for long. Oh, so many I've inj- got one I want you to pick. Well, I've gone with Philippe Albert. Oh, very good. You're not the one I was thinking, but yes, I like Albert. Yeah, who, I just who was it, Jimmy? Dabizas. Nikos Dabizas. <laughs> well, the thing is, is um, for me, Dabizas doesn't make it because a skilled baller in six aside like Bergkamp would uh, would rip him apart, wouldn't they? they so would. <clears throat> I've gone for Albert because uh, useful size. He was in a good side and that goal. So he, that had, goal. he at least has yeah. that goal in him. Dabizas then, isn't doing that, is he? Yeah, and then for my for my four, I've just gone for pure, pure glory. I've gone for a midfield of Peter Beardsley and Kieran Dyer. Yeah. <laughs> and I've gone for a front two of... So, yeah, I've got Philippe Albert at the back, Peter Beardsley, Kieran Dyer, and then for front two, controversial, but I've gone for David Ginola and uh, Faustino Espria because I just want slick slick skills in the six aside team I can't believe you've picked a six aside team and haven't got Alan Shearer in there for no I know I know but I wanted I wanted Aspria I want Aspria playing six aside you way know, more fun it, entertainment it's, value yeah it's goes six up. aside yeah. as well you don't go for your test batsman for your one dayers you know <laughs> and for me Aspria in that six aside team with um, Beardsley and Dyer loading the bullets. Oh my God. Can you imagine that, that four buzzing around? Oh, good God. Did, uh, did Shola Amiobi come close? Oh, no, he didn't. No, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Cliver was in my mind as well. Oh. Lua Lua. Lua Lua. Yeah. Loved him. Yeah. yeah loved him. So I, I can't quite believe Alan Shearer is being considered as a, as a test batsman. He is though, isn't he? He's a big one and two tonner. I'm looking for someone that can hit like a 65 off like 41 balls, Jimmy, you know? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. I struggle. Les Ferdinand might be that guy, but not maybe not Shearer, but 
I can't believe we're saying that Espria isn't like an absolute no, no, buzzing I'd, I'd shout have, for a city side team. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that yeah, there's my there's my Newcastle six. Very nice. See, I so on Saturday I was at Southampton Everton, so I thought oh, I'll pick Southampton, and then I realised that we weren't allowed current players because I think their current team, a six aside team of Romeo and Ward Prowse, is going to win anything. I think Romeo is very underrated, but then I started looking back at players and. I don't know, already this just feels very beige compared to what you two have done. <laughs> let's let's just let's get the vanilla ice cream out here, guys. In goal, I wanted Grobelar, he's more Liverpool. People might argue that my choice here is uh probably more Blackburn, but I've gone with Tim Flowers. Just because when he that. first burst yeah. onto the scene, he had a cracking perm, which he did lose, but I love Tim Flowers. Um I've gone for I've gone for two defenders. Um, one, I believe he's still... He, he, you need him in a Masters team just because he's he's incredibly fit still. And also, this guy made a footballing career because he looked like Freddie Mercury, and that's Francis Benali. Just <laughs> absolute hard man, still running, and he looks like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> so if you lose, at least you can have a good sing-song afterwards. Absolutely. And the other guy I've gone for... just. I thought he's a fantastic player, um, Wayne Bridge. I could just see him. Every good six-a-side team has a quality left-sided player, and and that, that's just my perception of it. I've got no logic. I can't back it up. I'm talking nonsense, but that's my perception. Wayne Bridge does that. Um, no surprises that one of the guys loading the bullets is Matt Letizia. Yeah, has to be. I I struggled. This is where it sort of. I preferred him when he played on the left wing. <laughs> I preferred him when he played for England, but we never did it. Um, I've gone with Rod Wallace. I've, I've gone for someone who I still reckon's quick. He he was so quick back in the day. And was he Rangers? Was he Leeds? No, he, he burst onto the scene at Southampton. And I just reckon he's still quick. I think he's player coach or maybe just coach now at Epsom and York, or local to where where I work and I know a few guys sort of play in that league and he's the man's still got it he's he's just lightning and him running around on a I wouldn't want to be 20 years old trying to mark up Rod Wallace and then up top I was between two but I've gone for the battering ram just because every six aside team that you're going to come across now the bloke up top is going to have quality he's going to be able to drink 15 pints and rock up and still beat everyone um, so I've gone with Ricky Lambert <laughs> just, just solid. He knows where the back of the net is. I'm sorry, James Beattie was probably the better player, but you haven't gone with Alan Shearer. <laughs> you haven't gone with Alan Shearer in your side. <laughs> no, uh, nice. It's more of a one-day side, Jack. I'm not picking a ten. Oh, they are nice. I like it. <laughs> nice, lovely, banali shout. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I like that's that. That's the reason. Jimmy. I just. Jimmy, that's a very, that's a very. Um, Still drunk from the night before, not hungover. Still drunk from the night before. Five, well, six aside side that we've all played against. We're all been actually, Jimmy. If you think of that, um, oh no, 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 I'm not. That wasn't Marxies. That was when we worked for Nat West. I've been that still drunk from the day before player. We were but, that yeah. eleven aside playing against Truro though. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I was thinking about that actually. Yeah. I had the Doms for about five days after playing that because I did no fitness warm up or anything. That was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't walk. I, I, um, I, I'll, I'll take that. They're, they're masters on the pitch. They're masters in the pub. Nice. There we go. That's, we're not, that's spirit. We're not of the beige. Masters, we're amber. It? 
Amber ale. Right. Well, bring us bring us your next. Right. So this is trying to swerve as far away from the beigeness you just offered. No, actually, I think you you did yourself a bit of disservice because that was quite a fun team in the end. Um, but this is Arsenal, aka FC Vavavoom. So yeah. it doesn't really start that way. Dave Seaman in goal, but it's got to be Seaman, hasn't it? Like Mr. Nice still cropping up on like random adverts for weird companies on Twitter, like in a goalkeeper kit that doesn't fit him at all. Um, Sol Campbell at the back had to have big S there and good luck anyone trying to boss him around. Um, Then really going to kick things up a notch. Patrick Vieira. Yeah. See him on the sideline for Palace. He could clearly still do a job. He is then going to have just in front of him in a number 10 sort of role, Dennis Burkamp, who I think could play football when he is 90 at some professional level. Then I've gone for a front two of Robert Perez and Thierry Henry. And I just think that would just be probably the greatest six-a-side team ever. Yeah. That's that is just the Invincibles minus five, isn't it? They Pretty were the Invincibles. I'm, I'm gutted ones, for Keown. Really, I'm gutted Keown didn't make it because he would. Uh, yeah, a big part had, of that, but had to make sure that that was the other name I was going to go for, not Martin Keown FC. Pascal Sigan and a few others, a few other names <laughs> missed there, but yeah, Franny no, Jeffers. I, when when you said Arsenal, I thought, yeah, that's sort of. I mean, we touched on Brazil 2002 the other week. They're probably the only other side that you could fashion a sixer that would beat them maybe yeah, you know yeah. um but that yeah that is that is pretty much ultimate ultimate will definitely um for my for my final side I I chose Chelsea and I tried to again I tried to create a sort of philosophy to it so I thought when when six aside so I keep saying five aside six side um no balls over the top so I've just abandoned height so I've gone with who I think is honestly one of the most underrated keepers of all time is have gone with Cudicini in goal. Yeah. Because I just thought he was absolutely superb. I was afraid you were going to say Dimit- Dimitri Karin then. <laughs> <laughs> Only because he Czech always wore the signed. leggings. <laughs> um, do you remember when Czech was signed and there was like a massive who should, I think it was Mourinho's first season, who should he go with, Cudicini or Czech? Because, you know, they've got this really highly rated keeper. Didn't really know anything about uh, players from Liga. He came from, I think, didn't he? Petr mm. Czech. No one really knew much about players like that. We didn't have the access to to watch um, other leagues. And it was like, right, going to go with Czech. But it was like a real up for debate. But up until that point, Carlo Cudicini was far and away one of the best keepers in the Premier League. Um, and like... Lovely bit of nostalgia as well to my childhood. Like early Wasn't there 2000s. also an argument that he actually could have played for England? He'd been over yes. here long enough. He could have got citizenship and he could have been England's number one. Yeah, it was after were... the seaman. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, Interesting. So, yeah, Carlos Cudicini in goal. And then for my riffed on the um, left back comments from earlier, I've put um, Ashley Cole as my defensive linchpin. Um, 
yeah, so Cole's my linchpin. And then I've just got just this mad four in front of it. And I would just love to watch these four players play together. Um, a couple of them did. Yeah, a couple of them did. So I've got Joe Cole, Glenn Hoddle, Gianfranco Zola. And I've chosen, because of the style of football we're playing, I've chosen Ida Good Johnson. As my yes, as my striker, yes, yes, yeah. Yes, so that's yes. that's my four: Cole, Hoddle, Zola, and Good Johnson. Again, similar to the Newcastle sign, I want skills. I want fast, one-touch move, ping, ping, ping. You know, ping ball, ping ball. We're playing ping ball. the pingers, yeah. So there you go. Do you know what you could? Can I make one suggestion? Yeah, go for it. This is if I was doing that team, I would go absolutely. No Abramovich players, and I would have, I would not have Ashley Cole. Oh, was that your defender, Ashley Cole? Yep. I would go Marcel Desailly. Mm. And then you could yeah, absolutely pre Abramovich Chelsea. Yeah, that'd be nice, actually, wouldn't it? Oh, that's nice. Wow, that's really nice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I can go with that. Oh no, Joe, you know Joe Cole, Joe Cole, he's a brown bit, but he's so lovely. Oh yeah, he was, with, he was, him. he was like just, he was one of the first that came in, wasn't he? I was watching yeah. a, um, a, a bunch of clips of Joe Cole, uh, the other day and it really is a what if. And isn't there that story of Alex Ferguson of when he used to go and see Harry Redknapp? Um, he always used to say, Harry Redknapp would just be like rattling on as he always used to be like, blah, 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 you know, you know, we're doing this. And Fergie used to say, How's Joe Cole getting on? Mm. That'd be the first thing he said after after Harry, uh, Harry's exchange. Yeah, definitely a what if. Some honours for that guy. But in this six aside, he's just a glittering god. Just just moving yeah. around. Yeah, unbelievable. Lovely stuff, guys. There we go. Nice. That was real fun. It was fun. I yeah, think we'll fun. all agree that if they were to play, Southampton are lifting the title there. But thanks for your efforts. They're probably puking into the, the cup. <laughs> <laughs> Francis Benali can sing We Are The Champions there we go there we go <laughs> very nice oh. very nice listeners we hope you enjoyed that and I'm sure that those members of us that are technically more advanced than me would love to read any suggestions of the teams that you've got so send them through to us Twitter Instagram Facebook um, the wizards at JBHQ that deal with that could even throw a few a few onto those media streams. It won't be me. Um, well, lovely to see you again. Thank you for bringing all that you brought. And you, mate. Take care of yourself. Take care of that cough. I will. I will. We'll, we'll see how good the editing is tonight because I've been coughing incessantly <laughs> for an hour. If you don't hear me cough, we know that they've listened to this one. And uh, some some redemption for Jack, shall we say? We'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah, Jack, thank you for joining us, bud. Thanks, I lo- guys. I loved your love your your samba, your pre-ruble Chelsea. It's uh, lovely having you back. Shout out for your and Jimmy's um, Brazil pod as well. It was fantastic. What a lovely. Oh, listen. Thanks, if you haven't man. listened, listeners, go and check it out. It was great. Jack and Jack and Jimmy T take uh, Brazil two thousand and two to another level. Wax lyrical wonderful listen so uh once uh once you've had a good laugh at this go and go and listen to that listen to some serious football and uh we'll be back next week i wonder who'll be sat in the chairs hopefully i'm here but uh be good for you listeners to join us um 
I've, I've said the social media stuff. There we are. Come and find us, and we shall speak to you next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you.